We are in our preaching series, which we've called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, um, based, well, preaching through scripture, but also using as a guide the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. We are in, we, uh, we are week five, I think. Hope you're finding it helpful so far. Hope lots of you are engaging with it during the week. Um, Realise we're touching on some pretty deep stuff. Some of it will stir up things within us. Some of it might be quite difficult to process. Just want to say we recognise that if there's anything that um, the preaching series or going through this has stirred up in you that you just need help to pray through or to process, please do come and talk to us. Don't um, kind of sit in silence and um, struggle. Please talk to us. Please come and ask the prayer team to pray for you. Um, let's engage with one another on this stuff. It's, it's not straightforward, but we're believing that God is going to highlight stuff that's beneath the surface of our lives, that he wants to bring us emotional health as well as spiritual health, and that actually, as we go through some of this stuff, he's going to bring about transformation in our lives. That is what we're believing for, so let's go after that together. As I say, we are um, week five. We are going if, to, if you're following through the book or you're doing the course, we are slightly out of sync this week. Um, so there is a week that you will have noticed that we've missed so far. We're coming back to it next week, um, which is called Break the Power of the Past. Is that right? I'm looking at Callum. He's the expert on all these things. Um, so that we will come back to next week. We have a guest speaker, Irene Brooks, who is brilliant, and she is coming to be with us next Sunday, which will be great. So we are skipping on this week to the next chapter, which is discovering a, a daily rhythm of prayer. Okay, and I want to start this by going to Psalm 84. Uh, I want to speak from Psalm 84, and the reason for that is that I don't, what I don't want this morning to be about is all the extra new things that we have to put into our lives so that we are good prayers. Because we know as Christians, there's lots of good things that are expected of us. We need to come to church. We need to read our Bible. We need to pray. We need to serve one another. And the danger, of course, in these kind of things, as we look at a topic like discovering a daily rhythm of prayer or learning how to pray, the danger is that it just becomes another thing on our tick list. There's another thing that is expected of us. If we're going to be good Christians, then we've got to do this as well. We've got to find ways of being better at praying. And let's face it, well, let's have a show of hands. If you're doing pretty well in your prayer life, well, you're not going to put your hand up anyway, are you? Victoria, well done. Well done for being courageous. But, you know, the truth is that a lot of us, it, when we talk about these kind of topics in small groups or with one another, we just don't feel that good at praying, do we? And it's one of those things we know. It's what Christians do. We ought to be good at that. We, we ought to be better. We ought to be in a good habit. We ought to know how to do this kind of things, especially being Christians for a while. But it's... But, the danger is it becomes a, a weight on us, and we feel bad because we're not. We set probably we're we're at the end of February, probably at the start of January. Maybe you set yourself a, a new rhythm of working through the Bible or setting a new time to pray every day, and and probably if you're, well, if you're anything like me, you you probably failed a little while ago, and you're not keeping up with what you set at the beginning of the year, and these things become a weight on us, don't they? And we must pray better. We must, we must try harder. And what, what mechanisms are there to do better at praying? And I don't want to start there. 
And if you feel like, oh, I wish I, wish I could do better at praying, then I hope that this is going to help this morning. Because by the way, elders struggle to pray too. So, Psalm 84, here we go. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength, each one, until each one appears before, I think there should be an until in there, until each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord, is a, the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And Father, we, Lord, thank you for the privilege of coming together to worship the one who is holy, as we've just been singing, the one who is creator, the one who is God over all things, the one who made us and loves us and redeemed us. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of coming to worship you. And Lord, as we look at this psalm together this morning, I pray that you would uh, kindle a, a, a passion afresh in our hearts to be with you, to love you, to do life with you. Lord, may it not be a pressure, may it be a joy and an excitement, Lord, about being with you and doing life with the living God. Lord, we, we pray for your help this morning. We pray, fill us with your Holy Spirit. We pray, speak to us, Lord, and lead us. Amen. This is a, I love this psalm. But it can, it can all sound a bit super spiritual, I realize. You know, longing, longing and fainting for the courts of the Lord. And sometimes I think we get a little bit Old Testament, we get a little bit Old Covenant, uh, and we get confused and kind of think that that's that actually is church now and that we should be longing to, 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 and fainting to be with God's people and worshiping together. Um, but we need to translate it to New Testament. I, I mean, it is great to be together, but you don't have to faint for it and long for it and stay all day in it or anything like that. The reality is that this psalm was written for people, for pilgrims who were on their way to the temple at Jerusalem. That was the place where God dwelt. That was the place where they knew that they would meet with the living God. And what we're here described in this psalm is someone who's going towards the temple and longing to meet with God and excited about being in the place where God dwells. But you know, the reality for us, and this is the amazing truth, isn't it? That the, the, when Jesus died on the cross... The curtain of the temple that separated the holy place where God dwelt from the people, that was torn, right? 
And now we have full and free access to the presence of God. Not just when we go to the temple, not just when we go to church, but in the whole of life. Is that? Hello? That, that is pretty good news, though, isn't it, really? That actually we are the people, we are a people who get to dwell always with the living God. It was just in the temple. You had to make a pilgrimage. There were lots of rules around it. You couldn't actually get into the Holy of Holies where God was. But now all that has been broken down. In Jesus' death, that pivotal point in the center of history where everything gets broken that held us back. And we now get full and free access to the living God. And now in every part of life, in every circumstance, in any situation, whether we're by ourselves, whether with others or not, we get to be in the presence of the living God. We get to be filled with his spirit. We get to encounter and do life with him. Amen? Now, that, I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty good news. So I want to look at this psalm in three. It, it divides itself beautifully. It was made for preachers, this psalm, because it's in three sections. And there's a pause in between the three sections. In your Bible, you say it says, it, you'll see that it says Selah, or I never quite know how to pronounce that. Selah, 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 or was he a footballer? Was that, is that right? No? Salah. Oh, sorry. Okay. Shows my football knowledge. Slightly embarrassing. Um, anyway, Selah, which is pause. So we're going to take, so first of all, the place we're going to start is verses one to four, okay? And you'll notice that in each section, we get a little prescription for how to be blessed by God, for what it is to know the blessing and the goodness of God in our lives. So let's start with one to four. How lovely is your dwelling place. My soul longs for the courts of the Lord to be with God. My heart and flesh sing for joy. Even the sparrow finds a home, the swallow a nest where she may lay her young at your altar. Blessed. And here we go. This is the blessing in section one. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. So the first thing that we want to get to grips with is what does it mean to dwell in the house of God? Because there's blessing to be had for those who dwell in his house. And you know, what this, what this means for us as people this side of the cross, people who have encountered Jesus, people who are filled with the Spirit, it means doing life with God. This is not about rules or rituals. This is about how do we, how do we make sure that we're doing life in the fullness and in the goodness of what God has given us. So this is kind of taking hold of our inheritance, if you like, as children of God and living life in his presence. Now, we know that life is just full of stuff, right? Life is busy. We are distracted. Our diaries are rammed. We, we think we're entitled to all sorts of things. And when there's a gap, we want to make the most of the time that we have and have new experiences. And we want to fill life up. And that's the way that the world around us lives. We're expected to be in control and to fix things and to plan and to make the most of life. But actually, if we're going to dwell with God, if we're going to take hold of what it is to be his children and live in the good of this, of this privilege of doing life with him and living in his house, in his presence, then we're going to have to stop. We're going to have to break in on that pattern that 
is how the world lives around us. Because life is just too full, isn't it? And we struggle to, to, to even find space for God in the middle of it. But the privilege that we have as children of God is to stop and say, actually, Lord, I get to do life with you. I get to live life in your presence. I get to know the presence and the power of the living God in every circumstance that I go through. If only I'll stop long enough to take note of it. If only I'll stop long enough to acknowledge that God is here with me. And the truth is, we're going to have to, and, and this is the, one of the points um, uh, in the Emotionally Healthy book, is that we're going to have to stop. We're going to have to put pauses into life where we stop and acknowledge that we are not in control, where we stop and surrender to God and say, Lord, come and be with me. Come and make your presence known to me. Come and help me to make the most of the fact that I get to do life with you, the living God. Amen? But it's a countercultural act. It goes against the grain of our, of our society, which says fill up life. You need to be in control. You need to work it out. This is the opposite of that. This is about be, putting ourselves on the altar. It talks about the altar of God in the temple. This is about surrendering and stopping and saying, no, I'm, I'm actually not in control. It's stopping and remembering that I'm a child of God, that he is in control, that he promises to be with me, that I have access to him at all times. And then we get to see, actually, we dwell. We live in the presence of God. Twenty twenty three has been a bit of a the start of twenty twenty three has been a bit of a weird thing for me. It's kind of been dominated by something that I've done to my back, or that something that's happened in my back, something with a disc, which means that I've had a lot of nerve pain um, going down my left leg, excruciating at some times, coming and going. And the reason I'm telling you this is not because I want lots of sympathy. I realize lots of people are dealing with all sorts of different circumstances, but it has kind of dominated my world so far this, this year in different ways. But in the midst of it, God has done something, I think, or God is in the process, I should say, of doing something. Because I've, I've had to slow down and I've had to pace myself. And there's been lots of moments where I've realized I am utterly not in control and there's nothing I can do about this. And in the midst of it, I've felt God start to speak to me about, okay, what does it mean in those slower points to stop and to go, A, God, I'm not in control, but B, I'm a child of you. And I actually want to be more conscious of drawing you, who you are, your presence into my current circumstances. Because I'm your child. I get to be with you. And I'm actually going to stop and I'm going to say, God, I acknowledge you. I really actually need you a lot. 
And will you come and make me more aware than I was before of your presence? Callum talked on his week about the practice of silence. And actually, the reason I think that silence might be good for us in our culture and our setting is that actually we just need points where we stop. Where we go, I'm going to lay down all the things that I'm doing, where I'm trying to be in control and I'm trying to work out life and I'm trying to fill life up with good stuff. Say, no, God, you. I'm going to stop and let you in. I'm going to stop and acknowledge you. I'm going to stop and surrender. I love the picture of the sparrow in this. The sparrow is that is a bird that flits around all over the place, right? The swallow. They flit around, they fly around, and often our lives are like that. We're flitting around trying to fix stuff and do stuff and fill things up and work things out. And I believe the message is even the they're not the they're not the brightest, they're not the brightest little creatures, right? No, no offense if you're a bird watcher or whatever. But they've realized, the psalmist says, they've actually realized the place to be is to settle down and find your security on the, near the altar, the place of surrender, not to be flitting around all the time. And actually what I'm trying to learn, and boy, does this go against the grain, and we have to learn it, is to stop regularly. And it might just be for a minute. It might just be for two minutes. And what I'm trying to learn to do is if there's a circumstance that comes up, that I feel like, oh, I don't know what to do about this. If there's a bit of anxiety that rises, do you know those moments? Because of something that's happened. If you've had an encounter with a person that's awkward or you're going to a, a, a meeting that you, you don't know how that's... All that, those things, I'm trying to go stop, stop before that and go, hang on, I'm a child of God. I get to dwell in the house of the Lord. I get to be with God in, in, in life. And I'm trying to learn, and it's a slow process. So go, God, if there's a particular, you know those moments when emotion rises up within you because of a conversation or something that's happened. You're like, oh, I know maybe I shouldn't be feeling this, but I just stop and go, God, I'm, what I'm feeling right now is this, and I'm not sure why that's come about, but Lord, I want to do life with you. I want to dwell in your presence. Would you help me just to process what's going on? Would you help me to act in a way that's Jesus-like in this moment? I want to I draw you into this situation, Lord. I believe that's what it begins to be like to dwell with God in life. It's not a set pattern of prayer or anything at this point. It's just stopping regularly. When things rise up, maybe at the start of the day, the end of the day, acknowledge God, say, Lord, there's all sorts of stuff that's gone on today. I just want to place it in your hands again. I'm not in control of it. I don't know how to work these things out. But I think it's developing that pattern and that habit of going against the grain of the culture, actually, and to say, stop, I'm not in control. But God is, and he loves me, and he wants to be with me. And actually, I get the privilege of dwelling in the courts of the Lord. I get the privilege of dwelling with him, being with him in life, in every circumstance, in every emotion, in every barrier, in every decision point, in every place where I don't know what to do. Stop. Oh God, you know. This is about developing a first stop God mentality in life. Amen? 
Whatever's going on, first stop God. Because that's our privilege as his children. And I think we've lost a lot of that. Or maybe we never had it. I don't know. First stop God. I love it when you see that around the body of Christ. When you see that on a Sunday. Where you see that people have had a conversation and immediately they go into praying for one another and saying, God, will you come into this situation? I love that. First stop God. That's what we need to develop. We need to dwell with him. We need to live with much more aware of his presence. But there's too much stuff crowding in right now and we've got to be disciplined to say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to push that stuff out. God can, but I'm going to stop. And it doesn't have to be for very long. I'm not talking about anything amazing. I'm just saying acknowledge God. Bring him in. Amen? And we've got to wrestle this stuff through. I remember... A, so there was a prayer meeting earlier. Oh, there's been a couple of great prayer meetings this year. One of them, I think, Stuart, you were talking about when you have people around for dinner, just pray. Whatever comes up, just pray. We're not very good at just praying. We're not very good at first stop God. But that's our privilege. I remember that first prayer meeting. That, Callum, do you remember praying for me when I'm, my back was first bad and you're like, um, I'm thinking of Jacob and wrestling with God. And, and actually, later on in this psalm, it talks about the God of Jacob. And Jacob was the one who found God in the wilderness, who realized that actually God was right with him when he didn't realize it. In the wilderness, he, he lay down. On, do you remember this? Genesis somewhere, 30-something. Look it up afterwards. It's like, oh, God, I didn't realize you're here. And that's what we need to realize in, in every moment. Uh, oh, God, I didn't realize you're here. You're right here. Actually, let me stop and acknowledge you. Maybe I need to be silent for a minute. So that's the first section. This was never going to work. Look, I had all these, all these different, um, I had all these different slides. Uh, but no, we're just going to have to whiz through this, aren't we? Okay. So that's the first thing. Blessed are those who dwell in the in the house of the Lord, who learn to live in the presence of God. He learned to do this first stop God. And the second section, five to eight, before the next Selah, let's go straight for the blessing here. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. Literally, the, the, author, the, the translators struggle with this. It's literally, in whose heart is the way, in whose heart are the ways. So, and the, actually, I like the... The NIV translates it really well. Blessed are those who have set their heart on pilgrimage. That's great, isn't it? Actually, who are learning this other way of being. So first of all, there's the acknowledgement of doing life with God. But then, next, there's the acknowledgement that actually we are on a journey. We're on a pilgrimage. We don't actually, this is not our home. We're aliens and strangers here. Our destination is somewhere else. Actually, our destination is God. But in the midst of the confusion of this life, we are actually pilgrims on a journey. And we are, we've got a different way to learn. We've got to, we, we, we need to learn the way of Jesus. Amen? And that is going to take practice. And we're all at different points on that journey. And what we need to do is find ways of practicing Jesus' way. Amen? Because we're pilgrims on a journey. We're in a foreign land. We have a destination. 
The promise is future with God. The promise is hope of life with him forever. All goodness, right? Life right now is messy, but we're going there. We're on a journey. We're pilgrims. We're all at different stages. How is it that we're going to learn the way of Jesus in the midst of this? And the first step is to acknowledge his presence and to first stop God in every situation. But the next thing is that we'll need to build in routines. We'll need to build in practices that help us to practice Jesus' way as pilgrims. Amen? TV recommendation, by the way, talking of practicing. Has anyone seen the piano? Have you seen the piano? What a, what a fantastic program. If you haven't seen it, you've got to see it. Pianos in railway stations, random people coming along, actually being watched, but they don't know it. There's a concert in, at the end at the Royal Festival Hall or something. And just the most amazing people who come out of the woodwork and play the piano. And, so, and some of them, like, they practice for only since lockdown, but they practice every day and they've become these amazing people. I mean, it's just, it is phenomenal. You've got to see it. Watch it. It'll it'll be suitable for everybody, okay? You'll love it. Anyway, why was I I saying that? If you're going to learn a way, you have to practice, right? You've got to put it in habits and stuff. And so we need, we we need, at different points on this pilgrim journey, we need things that are going to help us to learn Jesus' way. And when the email comes out after this preach um, in the week, we are going to make a whole load of suggestions of things that you might want to do as a next step along this. Because what this preach was supposed to be about was discovering a daily, a daily uh, something of prayer. Rhythm, that's it. We need a rhythm. Thank you. We need to practice this stuff. And there's all sorts of ways we can do it. And you know, what will work for you won't work for me. And we're all at different points on the journey. But my encouragement is to take a next step. Because this is a place of blessing. If, you're, if in your heart is the way to God, if, you, if in your heart is this pilgrim journey, then there's blessing and there's strength from God. And when you come across the Valley of Baca, which is a dry and a, a deserty, difficult place, when you come across that, you'll know the strength of God and you'll know his refreshing if you're practicing these ways, Yeah. And so what we need is at our stage in the journey, we need those things that will help us. We're going to make some suggestions. One thing will work for one person. One thing will work for some, somebody else. I said it last time I preached. I think I, I, I love a psalm a day. Start the, start the day with a psalm. Bible app, you can set it up for yourself. It gives you a psalm every day. Start your day that way. There's Lectio, brilliant way to finish the day with a kind of review of what went you know, what do I need to repent of today? There's so many different things you can do. Daily light. If you're up for a challenge, then you might have heard us talk about, where do we find this? This book, which is an emotionally healthy spirituality day-by-day book for 40 days. It is a great little thing for starting and starting and finishing the day with a little a scripture, something to pray about, a bit of silence. And listen, if you start that tomorrow, you've got exactly 40 days until Good Friday. Isn't that cool? So you could do it if you get it quick. But there might be other things that work for you. I want to keep saying it. What works for me won't work for you. What works for Callum won't work for me. 
Callum likes anything that's got a Latin word in its name. He'll do that. That doesn't work for me, but that's okay. We're all different. No, actually, that's not true. I do lectio. Is that a Latin word? Oh, ruin my point. Anyway, find something that is your next step where you begin to practice the pilgrim way of Jesus. Not because you have to, not because you're going to earn any points by doing it, but because there's blessing. And actually, this is our privilege of children of God, is to be in the presence of God and find ways of living more in his presence and doing life with him involved. Because that will be, that will be full of blessing. He's, he's good. Amen? But so, so often, there's no way in because life's so full and we're not thinking like that. And I want to encourage you. And sometimes it is the hard points of life that actually trigger us into this, isn't it? That's the reality. So if you're in one of those moments, then just do that stop and acknowledge, God, I need you. And I'm your child. And I'm not in control, but you are. And will you help me work this out? Right. We need to go on to the third section, which is uh, verses 9 to 12. And what I love about this is that it takes us right back again to grace, really. Because all of this is based on grace. What I don't want you to go away with today is thinking I need to add something else in life. I need another tick list on my Christianity 101 that says now I need to do some more praying or now I need to read them. No, no, no. I want a desire to rise up within us that says I want to do life with God. And I want to find ways of doing that. And I love the fact that what the psalmist comes back to here is just the grace of God, a God who loves us, a God whose promises, I will withhold no good thing from you because you're my child. Amen? And so the psalmist says, look on the face of your anointed. And what we get as this side of the cross, our privilege is that when God looks on us, he, he looks on his anointed Jesus. And he sees the righteousness of Jesus. And we don't have to do anything to earn his love or his... We, because we pray better or we have a better Bible, Bible reading, reading routine, that won't get us any more favor with God. Did you know that? He loves us as much as he's ever going to love us already because of Jesus. And his promise is, I will withhold no good thing from you. He bestows favor and honor. The fact is... The psalmist says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Doorkeeper is actually quite a, it's not like that's the lowest of the low. I think sometimes we read it like that. The doorkeeper is actually a, a, an important position. The point is, I'd rather be in the room with God's people, even if I'm at the back, than out of it. And, and the thing is, we're in. Because of Jesus, we're in. Amen? Because of Jesus, you're in. You get the presence of God. You get the promise that he will withhold no good thing from you. And it's in that light that we want to develop this practicing the way of Jesus. Not because it's about succeeding and he's going to be pleased with us. But you know what? As soon as we turn to him and say, God, I acknowledge you, that's success. Because what he wants is to do life with us. And that's what we were made for. That's what we were designed for. That's where the blessing is. That's where we work best. 
But we've got to fight for it because it, is, it does go against the culture that would like to fill our lives up with everything else and tell us that we can be in control and we can work it out. Isn't that right? I don't think there's anything more to say, really. Well, there'll be an email that comes out. There'll be lots of ideas of next steps that you might want to take in terms of discovering ways that you can practice Jesus' way and, and ways at your point on the journey where you can begin to, to put in your heart again the ways of being a pilgrim of Jesus. But the most important thing is that we, our, that we allow within ourselves a desire to rise up that says, I want to, I want to do life with him. Amen? I want to stop regularly and know his presence with me.